pain is a sensory and emotional experience, um, which is interpreted as damage to the body and is associated with tissue damage. So that's a very cunning definition, really, because what it's what it says is that um, it's not just sensation; that there's an emotional component, and there's no question about that. And so it's a total experience. Acute pain is something we experience when we have a trauma, an operation, um, when we cut ourselves. Acute pain. Re- usually resolves within a few days or at the most a few weeks. Whereas chronic pain is a pain state where pain stays. And if it stays longer than three months, one usually says it's chronic pain. Two of the leading pain specialists in New Zealand, Dr Bob Large and Dr Anders Johnson. It's estimated that one in five New Zealanders live with chronic or long-term pain. Helen Tocker is doing just that, after experiencing a relatively minor injury. I was just walking along in a car park and I rolled my foot, I rolled on a stone and just twisted my ankle. The pain, it was burning. You get a sharp pain, sometimes like a knife getting, people feel, you know, you say it's like a knife being jabbed into you. Well, it's like that, but it doesn't go. It's not just that one sharp pain. It's it's there all the time, like that knife is in there all the time, that really sharp, horrible... So that injury and what you've just told has led to amputation, what, three years later? We'd tried lots and lots of things um, in and out of hospital all the time, and we tried so many things, and physios tried stuff, and just nothing would touch it at all. We just never, ever got anywhere. The only times that I got any relief was when I would have an epidural put in and I was more or less became a paraplegic. I would just numb me from the waist down for a little while and that was the only times that I any, got any relief. After losing her foot three years after rolling her ankle, Helen is now in a wheelchair suffering from chronic pain, something she believes will dog her for the rest of her life. After the amputation, CRIPS, Chronic Regional Pain Syndrome, which makes the nervous system hyperactive, redeveloped in her stump. Helena has a morphine drip that helps her control the pain. It's always there. It's always, always there. I don't think, I don't think you'd ever get used to it because it's so, it's so sharp, it's so there. But on the other hand, you do learn to deal with it. The pain clinic, once again, has give you ideas and and help you learn to live with it. I would have been lost without the pain clinic. I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for the pain clinic. For Korean Kuri Suk, the first day of a long-awaited holiday in New Zealand turned from pleasure to pain. The bus crashed to right side, so the ladies who sit at the right side of the bus, um, three women lost the arm like me. At the time, I couldn't feel that any pain because I think I bleed too much, so I couldn't feel the pain at the moment that accident happened. Pain, um, I think after four days later, yeah, maybe. I couldn't feel the pain at the arm, 
but only in my back. Yeah, I feel only my back the pain after four days later in hospital. Like 85% of amputees, Kuri Suk suffers from phantom pain from the limb that isn't there anymore. First time, I didn't know my arm lost it because of the phantom pain. Uh, the phantom pain is there is no arm, but I feel the arm still in here. Yeah, that's a phantom pain. It feels like the fingers are like shaking, and our wrists are twisting like this. Yes, and still arms here. I feel that that is the phantom pain. Pain is frequently cited as the most common symptom for people seeking healthcare. With around 20 to 25 percent of patients admitted every week having pain as the primary complaint, the New Zealand Pain Society says safe, timely, and effective pain management is hindered by poor education and training, no nationally agreed pain management standards, issues of medicines and waiting lists, and poorly managed acute pain that can turn into chronic pain. The president of the Pain Society is Dr. Francis Beswick, an anaesthetist from Timaru. It's Difficult to assess other people's pain is one problem. There's a lack of recognition that pain can be a disease in its own right, and pain management a specialty in its own right. The patients suffering from it have a whole lot of perceptions that might be unrealistic. That we can't always. Treat all the pains. It's the common one. We can put a man on the moon, but it's no quick fix to a lot of people's pain, and has to come from a better understanding and learning about lifestyles and how best to find ways to live with their pain. If there isn't a quick fix, there's there are problems that all health professionals think that they know about pain because it's basic. Every health professional has. To look after people with pain, and then it's hard to spot the ones that aren't responding to our、um, usual management, and I think that's one of the problems. It's not peculiar to New Zealand; it's a it's a worldwide problem.、Uh, in other parts of the world, there's a lack of accessibility of basic drugs like morphine for cancer pain. We're a little bit better off than that, but we've still got. Major problems to、uh, have、um, access, affordable accessibility to some of the modern medications that are available. Mike Butler is a rheumatologist and pain specialist at Green Lane in Auckland. He has strong views of the place of pain management in the New Zealand health system. Pain is a Cinderella, and、um, uh, it's not to say that there are not very important issues to be sorted with lots of other diseases:、uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes, mental illness. I mean, you know, I think that the, the priorities the government has set are very reasonable. I just think that pain should be amongst those priorities. Persistent pain. It's been called the hidden epidemic. Yes, I think that's very true.、Uh, some say the silent epidemic because、uh, you don't sort of see when somebody's in persistent pain that they are in pain. You only see the consequences of their being in pain: the fact that they limp, or the fact that they have a rather harrowed expression, or the fact that they look、uh, exhausted because they're not sleeping well, and so on. So it is a silent epidemic. I agree. Good morning, Mr. Harper. My name's Sue King, and I'm a registered nurse working with the Pain Relief Service. Multidisciplinary pain teams working in some New Zealand hospitals 
include doctors and nurses and other specialists when required. At Waikato Hospital, pain nurse Sue King does a daily round checking on people in various wards, both before and after surgery. This means better overall management of a patient's pain. So you've been through the mill a little bit in the last few days. Judy Leader is a nurse practitioner specialising in pain management at Palmerston North Hospital. Pain is seen to be a symptom of something else and frequently it is, certainly in the case of acute pain, it can be um, the symptom of another illness or disease process or a result of trauma. But when pain persists after the healing has has occurred and becomes chronic or persistent, often some of the mechanisms which maintain that pain at the cellular or, or the neuronal level can't be seen. So we assume that everybody understands that sort of physiology and pathophysiology, it's not necessarily the case. And not people aren't, many healthcare providers aren't resourced to have the time it sometimes takes to unravel the, the journey of somebody with persistent pain to really understand how that pain has interfered with their worlds. Many people don't get the opportunity to see um, somebody with any pain management expertise till seven years, 15 years down the track. There's a lot of harm that can occur in that time, both through um, inappropriate medication management, uh, inappropriate thoughts about what your experience is, inappropriate behaviours, things that people learn to do to survive the experience that they have. Nipping pain in the bud before it develops into chronic persistent pain can't be stressed enough, according to those working in the field of pain management. Early solutions can save years of pain and a drain on the already overburdened health system. Dr Anders Johnson is a pain specialist from Sweden who now works at Waikato Hospital. He says pain management has a very low priority in this country, which is short-sighted in the extreme. It is worthwhile doing because it costs so little for someone with chronic pain to see a pain specialist or a pain team. It is really an investment, I believe. If you look at the latest figures for the costs, the cost for the employers in New Zealand is more than $1 billion per year. And that is only costs for uh, the employers. It's not cost for the government. It's not cost for the families. And those are figures derived from a recent Australian study published last year. So they, I think they very well apply to New Zealand too. For psychiatrist Bob Large from the Auckland Regional Pain Clinic, the advantages of getting in early to diagnose and find solutions to chronic pain are great. You think about it. Um, if someone is in chronic pain and not managing it well, the chances are that they're presenting to their GP quite frequently. The chances are that they may even be going in and out of AD, um, maybe having admissions to you know, inpatient units. And often that kind of process will compound the problems because they get more medications and the treatments are not working and everybody's level of frustration is rising. A person may not be able to work, may not be functioning very well at home, uh, family life is falling apart and there's a, a member of the community who is essentially uh, unproductive. So helping someone cope with their pain, especially if one can help them get back to normal activity and normal engagement in life, is huge. They're not 
no longer drawing on the health service uh, in the same way. They're back to being productive at work and in their communities, in their home environment. Um, the benefits have huge spin-offs. Rheumatologist Dr Mike Butler says clinicians are now beginning to understand that available drugs really don't work for patients suffering persistent pain. He says too often surgeons want to operate, sometimes more than once on a patient, to try and solve the problem. To be fair, I think our local spinal surgeons show very good judgement of the sort of cases they select, but it doesn't always go the way the surgeon wants. And in relation to knee surgery and shoulder surgery, sometimes the operations don't work as the surgeon hoped they would. And then when it doesn't work, what happens for the patient? Because they're expecting some answer, aren't they? Yes, well, I guess, first of all, there's the tendency of the patient to want another operation, with some of the patients at least, to sort of do what the first operation did not. Some people, of course, are put off completely by the fact that one operation failed. I think, you know, the truth is that it's a very difficult decision to make for a surgeon. Do they go in again, be it the back, the shoulder or the knee, and uh, try another different type of operation? Or is it better to leave that patient to some other sort of management? Doctors receive little undergraduate or postgraduate education and training in pain management, and this, according to the Pain Society, results in a healthcare workforce unable to effectively manage pain. The president of the Pain Society, Dr Francis Beswick, says while the training is patchy, it's understandable because of the pressure placed on medical schools. The curriculum is absolutely crowded, yet in some ways it's not understandable because pain's going to be such a big part of what any doctor does, any general practitioner or hospital doctor does. So when it's such a big part of it, it's one of the major reasons why people come into hospital. Uh, it's one of the major reasons why people go to their general practitioner. It's one of the major reasons why they go to the physiotherapist. It should be accorded much more space and much more importance. And I think that comes down to the lack of recognition that it is, it's still thought of as being part of a disease. That if you treat the disease, the pain will go away. Which, of course, it does sometimes, but not often enough. Dr Beswick's views are backed up by Mike Butler. He says pain management is accepted as a specialist subject in various countries and will soon be in Australia. But there's no sign of it happening in this country. Dr Butler is scathing of the training in pain management being offered to young doctors. Well, I think it's utterly inadequate. Um, they get a brief introduction to it. Um, Professor Des Gorman, who's in occupational medicine in Auckland, does a very good day with a number of specialists involved, including myself, on low back pain. So they get a, a, an introduction to pain there, but it's really not adequate for them once they qualify and meet the real problems of pain in life. Now, why is that? Well, I think there's, there's an understanding why it could happen, because medical students are at a very early stage of their career. They have to learn good judgment. And to learn good judgment, you have to have black and white conditions. So you really have to deal with diseases. So you need to have diseases where there are abnormalities that you can see in the patient, um, blood tests that are abnormal, uh, x-rays that are abnormal, um, and so forth, so that you really have definite rules to follow to make the diagnosis of a disease. Pain is much more subtle and complicated than that. And the sorts of pain problems that make our lives difficult and the patient's lives difficult, there isn't a disease. 
So I can see why in a medical school it's going to be a difficult thing to, to, to do. But Johns Hopkins University, for example, regarded as one of the leading establishments or hospitals of training for medical students in the United States, is forming a curriculum in pain medicine. There are currently no nationally agreed pain management standards or clinical guidelines for healthcare providers to follow. The Pain Society says this lack of expert support compounds issues for those expected to provide safe, timely and effective pain management. Nurse practitioner Judy Leader says the way pain is currently treated can vary depending on where the patient happens to live. So you could enter any healthcare facility and it's not currently a standard in New Zealand that you must have your pain assessed. It is simple but it requires an organisational approach and you need commitment from multiple people. um, Documentation needs to be standardised so everyone's talking the same language. At Mid Central Health we've worked for nearly six years now at introducing pain as the fifth vital sign which means that patients coming into our organisation are assessed for pain and we do audit that on a regular basis but it's been a huge project. Dr Sandy Dawson is the Ministry of Health's Chief Clinical Advisor. Yes, I think there is wide variety in the way that people provide advice and treatment services for those in pain. Um, And to some extent that may well be appropriate. They say not all pain is equal and in what works in some communities who are able to attract uh, very specialised people in large hospitals may not work in small rural communities just because the access to the workforce and other issues just prevent that. The Ministry and District Health Boards collectively uh, maintain a national service framework and there is a specific standard um, service specification for pain management which we agree and review periodically. Dr Francis Beswick says while set pain management guidelines are being developed in the United States, there's no sign yet of it happening in New Zealand. Hopefully with the recommendation of the National Health Committee that there should be a nationally standardised assessment, that it will come. ACC is looking at assessments. The problem is trying to decide what you want to do with those assessments. They're actually not as... It's not not as straightforward as it appears. For example, we use the common one of pain intensity on that naught uh, to 10 scale, where naught's no pain and 10's the most severe pain you can imagine. One patient can be with, say, a pain level of 4 out of 10, might be able to cope, do their everyday life, function absolutely normally, go to work. Another patient with that level of 4 might be curled up in bed, unable to move. So they do need a lot of expertise in, uh, in utilising them. And it's not only the pain intensity that matters, it really is the function. And that's what there are thousands of different pain scales looking at different ways that functions assess. They look at different ways that patients are affected by it. They look at whether they're likely or not to improve. So... It's going to take a long time, even if there was the political will to introduce it before it was useful, I think. The National Health Committee, reporting in February of this year, found a need for greater understanding, resourcing and provision of pain management. It says research confirms that effective pain management could prevent unnecessary acute episodes, reduce GP consultations 
and assist in the prevention of secondary depression, minimise use of drugs and increase functioning and independence. Sandy Dawson from the Ministry of Health describes the NHC report as valuable and one that both the Ministry and DHBs are studying and planning a response to. So you'll see some district health boards already putting in place coordinators for chronic conditions, one of the recommendations of that report. And you'll see things like palliative care and some of the other um, things that were highlighted in that report um, being progressed under the cancer strategy. And of course palliative care services, often it's the management of pain that people with late stage cancer or some of the other um, uncurable diseases really uh, benefit from in terms of support and help. So pain management services uh, need to be very tightly integrated into some of those palliative care services and a wide range of other rehabilitation and support services. I think we're too early to put dates on some of the specific recommendations but absolutely the report has been distributed to all district health boards and it's been very actively reviewed within the ministry I assure you and we'll have to actually try and integrate some of the recommendations that are made there with all the other work that is happening to support people with chronic conditions. The prevention and management of pain and injury rests with the Accident Compensation Corporation. ACC works on strategies which include identifying contributing factors for discomfort and pain, particularly in the workplace. Lorraine Gardner-Wood is an ACC programme manager. She says the number of people suffering some form of pain through work is on the rise, partly due to the country's increasing working population. Looking at entitlement claims, and these are the higher cost claims to ACC, these are the claims which are more than just someone going to the doctor or physio. It's also paying now for perhaps lost wages, um, home help, transport costs. So they're the the bigger claims. But we've worked out that um, for the average entitlement claim for a back injury or a gradual process injury at the moment is running about $10,000, which is a, a huge amount, where the overall cost, now it depends how quite how you're looking at it and what categories you're looking at, but they're, um, per year they're costing, costing us around about, uh, I think it's about $50 million. So obviously anything we can do to try and drive these numbers down is good in terms of trying to prevent discomfort, pain injury from starting and then if it does begin, then, then trying to address it early and getting, keeping people in the workplace. Lorraine Gardner-Wood says the management of pain in New Zealand is improving, but there's still a long way to go. For example, um, a recent survey that we looked at um, had, for, for people with back pain, had something like 96% of people being signed off fully unfit. Now, again, our other research is showing us that people have the best outcomes if they're actually back in the workplace. So... We still need to go an awful long way, but in terms of you know, we are still mo- we are we have been moving forward. We've just got a lot lot further to go yet. Again, it's coming back to looking at managing all these factors that contribute, and trying to steer away from the um, the very much the single interventions that we've had in the past, which are largely unsuccessful. Those health providers working in the field of pain management acknowledge the situation is better than it was a few years ago, but they still have a hefty wish list. The president of the Pain Society, anaesthetist Dr Francis Beswick, wants pain management recognised as a specialty in its own right and pain itself recognised as a disease. I'd like to see increases in acute 
teams of personnel and the teams looking after acute pain, teams looking after the persistent pain, more integration between acute and persistent pain teams, more integration between the acute and persistent pain teams and cancer, the palliative care. I'd like to see more communication between GPs and hospitals so that you could use sensible uh, rationing rather than the, the current um, six-month waiting list uh, rationing, which really isn't, isn't working. Psychiatrist Bob Large wants more of the focus on pain management at primary care level, along with better community education. Because I think that people need to understand a little more clearly what the, the limits and possibilities are in pain medicine. And I think people need help in putting pain in perspective. I think some, in some ways it's got a little bit out of perspective. Pain is a part of life. It's something we all have to cope with from time to time. We need to teach our kids how to cope with it. Um, everybody needs to learn how to cope with pain, really, in, in the long run. Um, and certainly at the primary care uh, level, I think uh, GPs need a good understanding of uh, chronic pain, um, need to be able to identify early the patients who are going to end up in problems with pain, and, and how to manage them so as not to make things worse in the first instance, uh, and hopefully to make things better. Dr Anders Johnson at Waikato Hospital. I would say that the resources will never be enough. But I think at the moment the resources are embarrassingly inadequate. I'd like to see resources enough so we can educate our colleagues, so we can look after those number of patients where we really can help, and that is to treat early. And I would like also resources to go into research. Dr Sandy Dawson from the Ministry of Health. Pain is, is such an integral part of the impact of a huge range of conditions and it should be so well integrated into health services not only in secondary care and large tertiary hospitals but also within primary care and some of the advice available over the um, helpline telephone systems and other community information. You were in terrible distress in the knee and so the doctor who saw you from the pain perspective gave you what we call a femoral nerve block. Yep. How did that work? Cool. Pain at the moment is in my knee, in my, in, the, in my stump. It's burning, it's squashed and it's very sharp and it's... That's after the medication, it's still there. It's dulled. The medication has dulled it, which makes it much easier for me. It's still, it's still all there, still there.